Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Please remain standing for the reading of God's Word. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This is the Lord of God. Good morning. Uh, before we get going, I just got to tell you, last weekend I, I was able to get up to Des Moines, Iowa. Yeah, I went to the SALT Conference. It was a big college ministry, man. And w- what we experienced up there was pretty amazing. Over 4,000 college students were together worshiping. And it wasn't just like this college uh, hype show thing. It was, it was a family of churches and all their college ministries. Hill City Church is part of what's called the SALT Network. And all of our college ministries are called salt companies. And all the salt companies across the, the country got together, and we were able to take a trip. I did not go alone, though. I took some people from this church, and you'll see there, we were there. Uh, man, it, it was incredible. So I just want to give you a quick leadership lesson really quickly, okay? This has nothing to do with Ephesians. But, um, so, so when you're not very smart and you're kind of below average at things, here's what you got to do. You just got to put yourself around people who are really smart and above average at everything, okay? And this is a, this is a picture of that. Um, I love these people. It was amazing to spend a weekend with them. I love being around all these people in this picture, and it was, it was awesome to experience. Now, I, I have to tell you, what I have to, I, so, so here's the deal. Missouri State competed because we like to compete, and we actually competed against Mizzou's salt company, okay? And it was like, who could rep? Who could rep it better? That's kind of what it was, right? And um, Missouri State won. Yeah. Yeah. So there were like 170 of our students went up there. And, and listen, we have a lot of Mizzou grads here, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tread lightly. I married a Mizzou grad, okay? But we did it. You know what I'm saying? Like, we did it. We got them. And that's really important, and I just wanted to point that out, okay? Okay, we're here to learn the Bible. Let's get to this. Ephesians, let me, by way of review, we've been in Ephesians. This is our eighth week in the book of Ephesians. And if you'll remember, Jesus came on the scene. He says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against her. So Jesus went to work. He started to build his church. Well, Ephesians is that book that gives us the best picture of what this building is and what it is supposed to look like and what it does. There's a lot of construction language in this book of Ephesians because there were two major buildings near and dear to the heart of the hearers of this letter, the Temple of Solomon for those who had the Jewish background, and then for just the people of Ephesus, there was the Temple of Artemis right there, one of the ancient wonders of the world, and Paul says, no, there's another building, an organic temple, and it was the church that Jesus said he would build, and if you will remember, I told you that chapters 1 through 3 was very heavy in identity and in doctrine, like who we are in Jesus Christ. Chapters 1 through 3 uh, w- would say that this is how God sees us 
because of his son Jesus. But then in chapter 4, 5, and 6, this is when we get really practical. Paul says, all right, now this is how you're supposed to live. Here is how the world is going to see Jesus Christ in you. Chapter 1 talked about a treasure chest of blessings. Once we pass from death to life, we trust Jesus for our salvation. We, we have right then this treasure chest of blessings, adoption, redemption, riches of his grace. Then chapter 2 tells us what we were before Jesus, right? And remember I talked about we were dead slaves. That was our identity. That is how we walked. But by grace, by grace we are children of God. God did the work. We have nothing to boast about. We look to Jesus, we boast in him. And because God did this work, there... There, there should be no longer walls of hostility. We're still chapter 2, still in review. Remember this? He brought Jews and Gentiles together. He united them. And he said, in this new body, in this new building, is actually a new third race. You don't, you don't identify as a Jew. You don't identify as a Gentile. We are, we are God's kids. And it was this new third race. And there's no room for walls of hostility. Chapter 3. Paul had to drive the point home one more time. This is who you are. There was this mystery. No, none of the Old Testament guys knew this. This mystery that he would unite people who should have never been united. The church is made up of all people. This organic temple, this organic building is made up of all people. And this was God's plan from the beginning. This was his plan A and the Chapter 3 told us, through the church, through this building, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known. Manifold meaning multicolored, multifaceted wisdom of God would be made known. And the world would take notice. And not just the visible world, the invisible world would take notice of this. This is who we are because of Jesus. And today we get into chapter 4. And if there's one sentence I would like for you to take away today, if there's one title to a sermon, which I don't do this very much, it's this. Just be who you are. If you're following Jesus, Paul has already spent three chapters saying this is who you are. Now we're going to get into chapter 4, 5, and 6, and here's what we got to do, church. Just be who we are. What is that? Who are we? Well, Paul starts in verse 1 of chapter 4. I therefore, right, meaning everything I just told you, because of everything I just told you, now hear this. That's why he put the word therefore in there. A prisoner of the Lord. We talked about that last week. He, he, was, he was in prison. This is a prison epistle. He's a prisoner for the Lord. He says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of which you were called. Now listen. That walk, this is a theme of Ephesians. Remember Ephesians chapter 2. There was a way in once we, we walked, which we once walked, right? Dead slaves, that's how we walked. But then even at the end of that passage in chapter, chapter 2, it says, No, you were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. When you see that word walk in the Bible, it's just simply how you live your life. Just take the word walk out and put live your life. 
And, and, and Paul says, listen, here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to live your life worthy of how you were called. Let me rephrase that. Just be who you are in Jesus. And maybe another way to even word this would be like, become who you are. Be who you are and become who you are. Because there is some growth that we'll, that we'll talk about this today. Man, these areas, we, we, we want to always continue to grow in these. Worthy of a manner which, 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 with which you have been called. What is that? What is worthy of the manner? What is, what, is it, what is it to live my life worthy of a manner that I'm called? And here it is, church. Because this is corporate. I don't, I don't want us thinking so individualistic. Here it is. You ready? Unified. We, the church, are to live unified. See, we're living stones that are being put together in this organic temple, right? And you don't look at a building. We talked about this. You don't look at a building and be like, man, that's an incredible brick, right? That's not how it works. But these bricks are put together, and they're locked together, and they're all unified. And, and, the, and, and the building can stand with integrity because of the unity. That is how we're supposed to live our lives. That's what the church is supposed to look like. Jesus prays for this. He says in John chapter 17, he said, I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world. That's us. This is the church that he's building. They're in the world, and I'm, but I'm coming to you. He's talking to the Father. He says, Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. So you have a unity within the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, right? And Jesus is like, I want the church to have that unity that we have. This is how Paul is saying we should walk, which is why he says what he says down in verse 3, where he says, be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Eager to maintain. So listen, this is a lot of pressure off of us. We don't have to create the unity. It's there. The Spirit produces the unity, and we just need to maintain it. So just, you got to let me brag on Hill City, because I love us. I love you, and, and, and we have so many new people, okay? And here's the deal. 2021 was a banger, okay? It, it, was, it was a tough year, and I want to tell you something about this church the covenant members specifically of this church lived this out. They were eager to maintain the unity of the bond of peace here in this church. And a lot of churches envy that. But if you're new here, you need to understand what you are walking into. This is a church that believes in unity and being unified. And I saw that play out in 2021. And I love you. I knew I loved you. After last year, I thought this, these are the greatest people in the world. And I mean that with all my heart. And, and listen, i got to tell you this because we're getting ready to build a new building just, just a little bit that way, okay? And listen, I know what happens. There are going to be some things that you guys don't like about it, right? I know how building things work, okay? I built a house with my wife, okay? No, we stayed unified, but we worked pretty hard with it. So 2022, we're going to break ground. 2022, 2023, it's going to be a tough year. You know what we got to do? we got to be eager to maintain unity. But I've seen, I've seen it happen here before. And I know that that's what we're going to do. So how do we do this? 
So Paul's like, you got to be eager to maintain unity. How do we do this? Well, let's go back to chapter 2. Or verse 2, I'm sorry. And, th- and these are big. Verse 2 says, with all humility. Let's just start right there. Humility. Now here's the deal. You know what will humble a person? Now, okay, here's what will humble me. Just, just a thing in my life that humbles me. Are you ready? Mirrors. Okay, I hate mirrors. And some of you are like, okay, this makes a lot of sense now. So Jenny and I work out in the gym, and, and like I try to go there about four times a week, and she like tries to go like six times a week. We're on a different program, okay? And this will matter in a minute. Just stay with me. I love our gym. I love the people at our gym. A lot of you were there in that gym. But here's the deal. One thing I love about our gym, there are no mirrors. I'm like, this is my kind of gym. Okay, no mirrors. I don't need to see, I don't need to see how disgusting that I am, Okay? <laughs> So we're not, and Jenny liked that too, right? And then in our house, we don't really have mirrors except for like the bathroom. You got to see if you have green stuff to eat. But I walk in the house one day and Jenny has this massive mirror, like seven foot mirror. And I'm like, babe, we don't do this. Like, what do we, and, and I guess she needed to see her outfits. Now the problem is she puts this mirror in a room in such a place where like every morning when I get up, like I got to walk in front of this darn thing. Right? And, and, I, and I'm get up and what I sleep in, okay, use your imaginations. And I'll just look over at this mirror and I'm like, oh, golly. <laughs> and, and, then, and then I get in this conversation with this mirror, okay? Now listen, I'm nuts. And if you're new here, the, the regulars know this already. So don't. And I'm just like looking at this mirror and it starts talking to me. And it's like, oh, you work out four times a week? Like, like he's just picking on me. And I'm like, look, yes, but I eat crappy food seven days a week, okay? <laughs> like, it's the program's not working. And the mirror's like, yeah, I can tell. <laughs> and I get up early, right, where it's kind of still d- a little bit dark outside, sometimes really dark. And, and finally, I'm like, just shut up. I got to get out. I got to get dressed before Jenny sees me in the light of day. <laughs> like, she's going to regret everything she ever did. And it just humbles me. Because it tells me the truth. You know what I mean? And you think, well, is that, is that really what Paul's talking about? C.S. Lewis and, and I love C.S. Lewis. I ride his coattail quite a bit. And he, he says this about humility. And I don't, I don't want to disagree with him. I just don't think, it's, I don't think it's complete with what Paul was saying here. He says, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. But the word that Paul uses here, this Greek word, just, 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 just give me some grace here, right? But it, it's to pinophrosunes. Was that pretty good? Come Come on, just like at least smile about it. Can we laugh a little bit? It's Baptism Sunday. Yes, one person thinks it's awesome. So this word was actually insulting in the first century. Like we hear the word humility, like, oh yeah, I want to be a person of humility. We we know when we read the Bible what we have to do, right? We've got to go to their town. How would they have heard this? Before we interpret it in 2022 in Springfield, we've got to go to first century Ephesus. And when they would have heard this word, they'd have been like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Humility? That's an insult. We don't do that here in Ephesus. We did, that, 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 is, that, is a, that is not a thing that we do. The hearers of this letter would not have accepted this very, very well. Humility was despised in the ancient world. What does this word mean? Humiliation of the mind or a deep sense of one's littleness. Now, 
So if we're going to walk in this worthy, walk in, walk in a manner that's worthy, and, and this, is, this is that the church should be a church that's united, um, arrogance kills unity. So Paul comes out of the gate and he says, no, you've got to be humble. See, humility promotes unity. Philippians chapter 2 tells us that we should do nothing. We should do what? Nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Listen, if you want unity, you have to start with humility. Don't raise your hand. I know the answer. Do you want a unified family? Do you want a unified marriage? Listen to me. It takes humility. Husbands, look at me. Fathers, give me your eyes. You lead in this. You be a man of humility. And I promise you, your household will change. I do a lot of pre-marriage counseling. It's fun. We have a lot of people getting married around here, okay? It's good. You're in the right place. Come, all right, come here. You find your person. Let's do it, all right? But, but I get the guy, and I set the guys down. Usually, if you're looking at me, I'm like, here's the deal. Here's how this works. You're getting ready to get married. You're number two now. And that just live your life knowing you're number two. And then here's what's going to happen. You're going to have a kid. And don't think, oh, sweet, I got an, I, I, now I, there's a number three under me. No, you become number three. <laughs> right? And then for the psychos in the world, like, I'm number six. <laughs> humility. What else? Gentleness. It's not just humility. He says gentleness. That's the way that we should walk. Now, this one's especially convicting for me. Listen, very few people look at Brad and be like, oh, there's a gentle guy. I actually, listen, this is, this is super convicting because I can be harsh. And I look at people who have this and I envy them. Last week we had uh, Dr. Royce Moore. He preached. And listen, I watched this guy spend as much time as I can. He went, he went to Iowa with us. You want to talk about a gentle man. I want to be like Royce Moore. I just watch him live. He's a gentle husband. He's a gentle father. He's a gentle leader in this church. I want to be like that. This word, protase, protase. This was how they would describe um, domesticated animals in the ancient world. Meaning, think about a horse, this wild horse with all this strength. This is a word used for bridled strength, gentleness. It doesn't mean weakness. It means the ability to temper your strength for the good of others. Now, this gentleness is a big deal. If you guys remember in Galatians, there's a fruit of the Spirit passage, right? And gentleness is one of those fruits of the Spirit. God knew that we were going to need to be gentle people. The reason he knew we we're going to need to be gentle people is because all of us are so screwed up. Listen, that's not an insult. I'm just telling you, all of us are so screwed up. And we're trying to follow Jesus, right? But we're going to mess this up. And he knew. He put us together in a family. And a family's going to have to correct one another. And he needed, he, 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 he's telling us, you guys are going to have to be gentle. 
Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, that's going to be all of us at some point in our lives. You understand this? If anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you be tempted as well. In other words, you see someone sin and you think that you're so self-righteous and so holy and you come at them really harsh, you're probably going to sin about a week later. And that's just how it works. So we want to restore each other and we want to be gentle with one another. And I know that some churches have messed this up. We don't want to mess this up. Unity requires gentleness. You can't be gentle unless you are first humble. Next is patience. Patience. So last week I was able to take my family out to Colorado and we did some snowboarding, okay? Um, I think I have some pictures up here. So there's one of the girls and then there might be a family. one. There we go, right? We're up there, okay? Pretty neat, right? No, that's fake news. Do you understand? This is fake news. Okay? That's Instagram stuff. You, what kind of psychos, right, take four kids, 10 and under, to a mountain and then try to put them in all these clothes and then go down a mountain? Who? We do. That's who. And it's like we had this plan. We, we had this trip plan. And God knew. God knew I was going to be, this sermon was coming on patience. And I'm, in, I'm trying to get four kids dressed, okay, and all that's neat and cute. It's just, it's, it's, it's for when they wake up in the morning to when you get them to that point, that's hell, okay? <laughs> Listen, it's, have you ever tried to put those boots on? Adults can't even do it. You try to put one on a six-year-old. At one point, my wife, she looks at me. This is at the end of the first day, okay? Miserable. <laughs> Miserable. She says, one of us was a little uptight today. <laughs> okay? I'm drinking my coffee, big old cup of Colorado coffee. You with me? I look at her across that coffee cup, and I look at her, and I just, and, and, and here's what I said. I said, nothing at all. I didn't say a word. <laughs> I said, I just swallowed my pride right with that coffee because she was right. Oh, I was so impatient it's convicting I, di I didn't live this patience out but here's what I learned by the third day I'm seriously by the third day my kids are going down this mountain we all take some blues and it, it was awesome you're up on the mountain you see God's beauty and I learned you know what you anything worth anything is takes patience See, here's the thing, Hill City Church, there are, let's look around. This is just one gathering. There are a lot of us here now. We started this thing with about 100 people, right, about 20 or 25 college students, about 75 adults. That's how we started this thing. Now look around. There's a lot more of us here. Um, it's, we need to be patient with one another. That's how we have to live our lives. Then he goes on and he talks about bearing with one another. Now this is tied to patience. These two are go together. It's two sides of the same coin. This word that he uses, echo, that's the Greek word there. It means to endure. 
To bear with one another means to endure. Here's another way to describe it. Here's what's going to happen. There's a lot of us here. Someone's going to step in your way here. Someone's going to step on your toes here. And if we're going to be a people that are unified, if we're going to be a people who bear with one another, then here's what we have to do. When someone steps in our way, we have to yield to them. That doesn't happen if you're not humble. To lovingly put up with. You know that's what we have to do? We have to lovingly put up with. You don't have to have everybody in this church over at your house for dinner. Do you know that? Don't put that pressure on you. You, don't, you, don't, listen, there are a few, you have your community here. You can't have, I mean, there are 800 people here for crying out loud, okay? But you know what we have to do? We have to lovingly put up with one another. And one of the main guys that you're going to have to lovingly put up with is me. I'm, I'm asking you. Please, give me grace. Lovingly put up with me. For unity's sake. Unity is not uniformity. Okay? Unity is not uniformity. We are all going to have our differences. And if we're going to... Listen, we have to understand that or we won't lovingly put up with one another. And here's what I learned. It would be so much easier if you all would just please do it like I like it. Wouldn't that be so much easier? And it would. But here's the thing. This church would be super lame. If you just did it how I liked it, this church would be super lame. Unity doesn't mean uniformity. So let's just give me a quick example before we move on of what, how or an example of how we need to bear with one another. We have a lot of new believers in this church. They're just following Jesus for the first time. And then we have people who've been following Jesus for a while. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to see a young person stumble. You're going to see a person not understand maybe the Bible like you understand it. You're going to see a young person maybe, I'm saying young in the faith. I'm not talking about age here, okay? You're going to see a person maybe misinterpret Scripture, okay? But if you're a person who has humility, and you can be gentle, and you can be patient, and to bear up with them is to not attack them and be like, oh, you idiot, how do you not understand this? So here's a practical way that we can bear with one another. Are you ready? Just remember how silly you were. Oh, prideful one. You know what I'm saying? Of course, a person who's just following Jesus don't understand the Bible like you do. But I will tell you this, this isn't even my notes, this is free. That person's probably sharing the gospel more than you. Because people who are just following Jesus are so fired up about it. They're out on campus, they're out on the road, they're telling people at their work. They're t- huh. Bear with one another. Then there's this little phrase at the end of that says, in love. Nothing will unite like love. We need true love in our lives. We need it in our, in our families. We need it in our friendships. We must love our enemies. We need love in this church. What does love do? It actively pursues the good of others. That's what love does. We've got to be people who love. Okay, so just so you don't hear what I'm not saying, because I, gotta, I, I just want to be careful here. I'm not saying that we 
accept everything that walks through our doors. I'm not saying we accept everything and teaching that goes against the Bible. It's actually unloving to be like, oh, that's okay. Are you with me? Okay, I'm not saying that. But we got to be people of love. So if we want unity, it's going to take humility, it's going to take gentleness, it's going to take patience, it's going to take bearing with one another, and it's going to take love. But it begs the question, what is it that we are unifying around? Right? We've got to think about this. Well, what, 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 what unites us? What are, is, is, are, we, are we united around unity? No, that's kind of stupid. Because unity in and of itself, it's not good. Okay? But, and a lot of people unite around some jacked up things. You know what I'm saying? Uh, my political statement of the day, Russia and China are pretty united right now. That's not awesome. What are we uniting around? Well, we don't unite around a thing. We unite around a person. This is what unites us. And that person, 2,000 years ago, he was born of a virgin. Well, that's weird. That doesn't seem possible, I know. It even gets more impossible, actually. He grew up, and he became a carpenter. But then at 30 years old, he started telling people he's the son of God. And he started preaching a kingdom. And the powers that be, um, they mutilated him on a cross. And then they buried him in the ground. And three days later, he walked out of that thing alive. That's what we unite around. That is what unites us. We believe in Jesus Christ. And Jesus is our example. And he's actually the only possible way that we can move forward with humility, with gentleness, with patience, with bearing with one another, with love. Philippians tells us this, right? It tells us that we should be thinking about others in humility. We should put others before ourselves, but then it it goes on there. It says, have this mind among yourselves, church, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself. By becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, Jesus Christ modeled humility for us. Let's look at him and let's mimic our king. Amen? He didn't stop there. In Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30, he says, come to me. This is Jesus, my favorite passage in the Bible. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Anybody want to be vulnerable? Anybody, anybody heavy laden right now? Is it just me? Just a few hands. Come to me, Jesus says. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle. He says, I am gentle and lowly at heart. If you will find rest for your souls, you come to me. See, Jesus modeled gentleness for us. Let's mimic our king. Didn't stop there. Psalm 103, the Lord is merciful and gracious. Who is our Lord? Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Jesus, our Lord, modeled patience, and he bears with us. Praise God. Amen? Just me? And Jesus loves, and he showed us what love is because he said, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. That's what Jesus did for us because he loves. And these character attributes that I'm talking to you about, right, this humility, this gentleness, this patience, this bearing with one another, this love, these are character attributes. You know what they are? They're gospel symptoms. We don't do all those things so that God will then accept us. We don't do those things so, so in order to become children of God. Ephesians chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3 told us we are already those things. God already delights in us. He already loves us. He's already given us so many gifts. All he's saying here in Ephesians chapter 4 is just be who you are. Let's just mimic our king. See, I struggle with every single one of these. Like, man, I don't know about this. You're, you're a pat. Yeah, I struggle with humility, and I struggle with gentleness. I struggle with patience. I struggle with love. I struggle with, I struggle with all of them. Here's really good news. God knew that we were all going to struggle with these because you struggle with these too. And if we didn't struggle with them, then Jesus wouldn't have had to die on the cross. We can live this life worthy of our calling because Jesus Christ already did it. And that's what unifies us. Let's go here. I'll end quickly with this. And Paul says in chapter 4 through 6, our verses 4 through 6, I'm sorry, there's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. This right here, you don't realize this, you have to kind of study this out. This would have been an acclamation that would have been used to start the assembly. So the church would come in, right? They didn't have big instru you know, loud instruments and sound and all that, but they would start with this, they would start an assembly with this acclamation. And you know that we love liturgies around here. So here's, I want us to do this. Now, I know it's not the beginning, but I just want us to do this. Stand with me. And I want you to think about what we are saying. Think about what we are saying. There is, let, let, let's go to our list of ones. Here we go. There is one body, one spirit. See, we don't have time to break this apart too much, but, but this is a statement talking about God, the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, right? There's one Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit. There's one Lord, that's our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Side note, when people chanted this out loud just like you did, they were also saying, Caesar is not Lord. One God and Father. And those people that stood up and did just what you did in the first century, most of them lost their lives for it. Which leads me to another one that isn't mentioned in this passage, but I do believe it's implied, and it's here. It's this one right here. You and I have one life. And if what we just read out loud is true, and it is, the person that unifies us 
That person that was three days dead and then he was raised to life and he's reigning now today as the one Lord of our life. If it is true, and it is, then shouldn't we give our one lives to that? Shouldn't we give our one life to that? Because this is who we are now, church. A people who give our lives to him. Not just a little chunk. You know what, you know what happens right here? These people are getting dunked and they're telling the world, my life, my one life is his now. Because he's worth it. If you're visiting here, you just need to understand something. That's, that's what we do here. We just, and maybe, maybe some of you have college students here, whatever it looks like. Just know, we're just going to tell your college students, give your one life to him. We're going to have, what else is there to live for? Let's just be who we are. If we're following Jesus, let's just be who we are. If you're serving communion, I want you to come forward. Each week, we receive communion here. We do this on purpose because we need to be reminded that we can't actually be humble and we can't be patient and we can't be gentle and we, we can't do any of these things on our own. And you can try and you can try to white knuckle it, but if you do that, all that is is pride. That's saying you're not humble. You realize that? We come here and we just admit, Lord, we really can't do anything without you. And communion is just us going, man, thank goodness that you sacrificed for us. And if you're new, you'll come down these middle aisles. We'll have a station under the lights. If you're in the back half of the room, we'll have a station in the middle. And you'll break the bread. It'll be dipped in the cup. It represents the body of our king. The cup represents the blood that was spilled on our behalf. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to join me because i got to do this too. Um, probably got to spend some time in repentance. Go, man, Lord, I have not been humble. Lord, I have failed in gentleness. I have been an impatient husband. I've been an impatient wife. I've been an impatient father. I've been an impatient mother. I've been an impatient friend. I have not bared with people the way I should bear with them. I have not been loving. I want us to just spend a little bit of time in repentance. Knowing Jesus died for that. And then come to the table and let's eat. You know what I'm saying?